Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. We got two new faces. Very pumped for this. We got Dr. Kate and we got Coach Mike. I am pumped. Now, while I am pumped, y'all should be too. Hit the buttons, like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all of that good stuff to get your emails in the morning whenever we go live, which is, of course, every day. Now, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all, by all means, put them up in the comment section. We will engage those throughout the show, kind of like this one. Daniel, good morning, the collective family. Good morning. See you. Good to see you, Daniel. Um, now, the topic today, reflection and growth, and I'm pretty excited about this but before we get too deep into anything let's get some intros so I'll start with Doc Kate give us 10-15 seconds who are you where you come from all that good stuff cool um thanks for having me on uh, I'm Dr. Kate Pate I'm a neurophysiologist and a military medical researcher and coach for veterans and first responders with regard to mental health physical health spiritual health kind of all of those uh different areas um I live in Bozeman Montana um, come from military family, did not serve myself, but uh, it's definitely been part of my culture and that's influenced, um, been a huge influence on my work. So Absolutely. thanks for having me on. That's awesome. Coach Mike, 10 to 15 seconds. Where are you? Where you come from? Hit it. Hi, I'm Mike Chadwick. I'm from the UK, former paratrooper, special forces support group operator, Royal Army Physical Training Corps instructor, and now officially out and now the CEO of the Red On Group, where we provide physical development programs predominantly their biggest demographic is for special forces around the world. Bam. Like, nice. Seb, it's been a little while. Why don't you give us a little rundown? <laughs> uh, Seb Lavoie, 23 years combined service between military and um, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I spent 16 years in tactical space and I'm just a regular here. I like to hang out with people. Just a regular. I like it. Um, so today, oh, actually, before we get into that, Vanessa jumps in. Happy Monday, Daniel and everyone. Good to see you. And we will get into this. So reflection and growth. And I pulled up a little blurb on this and I'm gonna go through it and then we'll get some first thoughts on it. Self-reflection can be defined as the process of examining one's thoughts, feelings and actions in a thoughtful and introspective manner. It involves looking inward and exploring one's values, beliefs, desires, motivations. And through self-reflection, individuals gain a deeper understanding of themselves, their aspirations, and the impact they have on their own lives and the lives of others. Personal growth and transformation are vital aspects of human existence. Personal growth entails expanding one's knowledge, skills, and capabilities, while transformation involves fundamental change in one's attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. So that being said, that's just a very brief um, general a definition of it but let's get some first thoughts seb i'm gonna hit you first i know i know <laughs> roll the eyes right away how did how did i know this was coming <laughs> i like to pick on you what can i say <laughs> no it's good i'll get us started so for me and those are all good good points obviously and those extremely valid points i i really like the piece i would like to add the piece that self-reflection is also not only the introspection of how how we are as humans or as as individuals but also how we need the external factors or how we put what kind of um sort of um what is what is what is the importance that we put in, ex, in external factors so we it's an introspection and it's something that we're looking inwards but what is our re relation and our connection with the world with the external world and how much of that do we need in order to do or achieve the things that we set forth to do that's the first like thing it. that come to mind for me I, I like it mike what about yourself? First thoughts? 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think they work hand in hand with each other. I don't think you can have growth without reflection. Um, and, you know, it's one of the most vital, it's one of the most fundamental parts of coaching. You know, the biggest fundamental of coaching is um, communication. Within that, and it's often the most forgotten, the most neglected, reflection is huge in the notion of coaching in order to get somewhere you've either got to consider where you've been or consider what's next and all of that is either reflecting in on or for action that's the only way to grow is to understand whether you're doing it right or wrong and then to make a new plan in order to get to where you need to be i absolutely agree kate first thoughts um yeah I, those are incredibly uh important um things i think for people to to understand well and and to incorporate into their lives and i think with self-reflection um one thing that's often left out because it's so focused on self is that um, sometimes you can create your own little echo chamber in in your mind and and you need other people to um kind of like what seb was saying the external world you almost need the external, the people to reflect back to you how you really are, because we all have blind spots. So you can't do self-reflection without some input from others, the people that you trust, you know, you really well. And um, I think that often gets left out, but it's very helpful to know, um, you know, the other per perspectives of maybe how you are and how, you know, things that you're unaware of about yourself that can be useful for you to reflect on. And then I think with um, with regard to growth, I think one of the key words that you mentioned in that description is change. And we often think about growth as, um, I guess maybe people don't think about it as change. Sometimes I think people um, think about growth as maybe expanding their current, um, their current viewpoints, but kind of rooting in deeper to what they already believe. And I think change can be really helpful to, to growth in that you're expanding your beliefs and maybe shifting how you feel or what you think about certain certain topics, which for most of us, um, sometimes there's like a, a notion of being wrong prior. And, and if you change your opinion or change your beliefs and thoughts on something, then you must have been wrong now if you're or wrong then if you're right now. And, and it's this this weird notion of right and wrong. But um, but that's that that is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of growth and, and change is really important. And, and I think that we forget that sometimes. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Sean, what are your first thoughts? You're muted still. <laughs> I try to come in with an empty mind and this, I let the guests set the stage and then I try to listen to what they've got going on and then I try to figure it out from there, uh, kind of a launching point. So the first thing that came to mind was, uh, ironically, just the other day, I put up a video on my Instagram feed and it was me just doing some knuckle push-ups on a floor here in our hotel room in um, Malacca, Malaysia. And uh, I usually never put that kind of stuff up. I don't talk about the kind of things that I do for my own personal growth. But ironically, uh, when I saw the video that I, I just put my camera on the floor and started cracking out some knuckle push-ups, and the concrete floor is reflective. And so as I was doing the knuckle push-ups, I wasn't thinking about me versus me, but that's how I always think pretty much throughout my entire life. But when I looked at the video, I thought, oh, wow, I can see the reflection of Sean coming down and up towards Sean on the concrete floor. So that reflective uh, nature of the video made me think, oh, yeah, maybe I should chirp about this on the interwebs and just encourage others to kind of self-reflect on their own performance against themselves. And so I threw that up in my feed. It's I was in my gaunch. I was in my underwear. So <laughs> I was really like, I was really reluctant to put it up, but it wasn't like 
weird or anything like that, so I'm told. And so uh, when I put it up, I thought, well, um, I, I guess that's okay because no one's no one's like saying, dude, you're a jerk. In fact, people are saying that's pretty cool because you never put that kind of stuff up. So that's my thoughts on self-reflection. Like I'm always competing against me. It's Sean versus Sean, but not not like, uh, you know, I'm trying to cut my own throat. I'm just trying to do it better every single day. And speaking of every single day, I just ran across uh, Malacca. I uh, felt like I ran across Malaysia. I got here about uh, 120 seconds before the show started, soaked in sweat in my freaking Birkenstocks. And uh, as as I was at this uh, cooking class, uh, the couple who were running it, uh, one is British, one is uh, Malaysian. And uh, by three and a half hours into it, they started uh, looking at my wife. She's a professional engineer. And they started asking us questions like, what did you guys used to do for a living? And I said, well, I, I do a few things. And and then uh, they saw this hat and what's that all about? And I said, I used to be in the military and I didn't really get into it. And then over the course of, you know, a little conversation, uh, they said, well, what do you do now? And I said, ah, I'm in my eighth career. And they've all been quite different. And uh, if believe it or not, I'm a freaking podcaster. And uh, and they said, oh, well, do you have an Instagram site? And so we swapped sites. and. And all three of the people that were there were like, what, you used to be a sniper? What, you're a world champion? What, you're blah, 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 whatever. And so um, I have tried to grow as a human being, not to like flare it out, but just because I have a curious mind and anything that I set my mind to, I like to compete against me to get better at whatever trajectory I'm on. So I do have a growth mindset within me, but I have a growth footprint within the world. I, it's not that I'm not satisfied with the things that I do, but I try to be more satisfied by pursuing a, a wider footprint in the world. And finally, to my last point, uh, to get context or contextuality against uh, who I am, me versus me, and me trying to grow myself within the world around me in a various careers, it's guys like Seb Lavoie who keep me honest. So uh, if, I'm, if I'm doing something that I think I'm doing reasonably well or reasonably mediocre if i'm doing it poorly i can always look at seb or the friends around me who'll keep it real and so i'm not in my own little echo chamber though i try to run my solo journey uh pretty solo but i'm always reaching out to friends to say am i good to go uh am i off base do i need to recalibrate so i think it's important to have people like that around you yeah totally agree on that one and i'm, I'm gonna go around again seb you got any additional thoughts on anything now that we've gone all the way around good to go Okay. Um, so my first thoughts on this, I'm, I'm wondering about, uh, Kate, you brought up blind spots and I, I wanted to dive into this a little bit because, uh, we've all kind of touched on it is <clears throat> a, how, how do we recognize them first off without, uh, without beating ourselves up and B, how do we create a circle of people around us that are actually able to tell us these blind spots? <laughs> because there's some friends that I had growing up that if I were to tell them, uh, hey, you know, you're, you're not doing great in this particular r range. It would, uh, it would wreck the friendship almost because they would not be able to handle it. So Kate, I'm going to hit you up first on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on the blind spots? How do we, how do we manage yeah. those? It's a great question. Um, I, we do definitely need people to, to help us recognize what those blind spots are. So maybe you can come to I mean, I just don't don't know how, I mean, it's kind of the definition. I don't know how else you identify a blind spot unless you have external input. Um, so to, 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 I guess, grow those people in your life, you really need to set up 
um, or make sure that your relationships are set up for honesty and good communication. Uh, as Mike said, um, you need to be able to have that open line of communication and know that that's what your relationship entails. There are certainly relationships that you have with friends and loved ones, like you said, who um, maybe aren't ready for that, or that's not the nature of your relationship at this point. So to kind of just jump into that might not be as helpful as you, you might think, but you know, people can surprise you. So if you want to make your relationship one like that, I think that it's perfectly normal and fine to approach a friend or a family member and say, hey, I'm really trying to get better. I'm really trying to work on myself. And I know there's things that I maybe, might, maybe I typically say or do that um, are, could, could use some work and growth that affect the people around me and um, are suboptimal. And I would love to know what those things are. And if you set that stage for them to provide you with feedback, I think that that um, is the, the best way to do it. And it also opens the door for them. It's like vulnerability, right? Like sometimes it just takes one person to, to open that door and start that process. And then the other person's like, well, shoot, this isn't easy, but if they're opening that door and they're offering that first, maybe I'd like to work on that too. And they can, they can say the same back to you. But there are gonna be plenty of relationships that um, you have that maybe aren't um, set up for that that kind of um, communication. So just know and, and check it check it out. You know, you can kind of sense get a sense of of who those people might be in your life. Um, but you know, not everybody's willing to give or provide feedback. We all have different types of communication and ways that we like to communicate. So for some, providing critical feedback is really uncomfortable, and for them whatever they've experienced in their lives, it's it's difficult for them to critique somebody. And they are sort of those yes people who are just like, no, you're doing great. There's nothing you need to work on. And that's not always helpful. So you can kind of sense that too in, in individuals, but that's maybe their blind spot, right? Maybe, maybe you could point that out in them and say, hey, you know, you're always telling me I'm doing great and none of us are perfect. So I know that's not true. Wait, well, you know, what could I work on? And then if you don't have that or for whatever reason, you, you know, you don't have anybody you feel like you can do that with. Um, one thing I've noticed in my own life is you can pay attention to how people react to you when you do things. And sometimes you can notice patterns in yourself over time by how people are reacting when you say certain things or do certain things in a, in a specific way or um, whatever, whatever that might be for you, uh, you can get a sense in the reactivity. Like if people stop communicating with you or friends stop um, asking you to come around, there are certain things and you can kind of reflect like, oh, wow, you know, th these friends or my family or that particular person stopped communicating with me or now they're communicating with me in this new way you can kind of notice i mean i guess the best the best thing to say about it is just get curious notice differences and notice patterns just pay attention um, to what's happening in those relationships with the people around you and sometimes you can get some some pretty good insights there yeah, absolutely mike you got any uh, thoughts on this yeah it's you you you're a product of your environment right so i think you pick and choose who you who you are in those circles with as Kate as, as rightly just pointed out. And I work in the performance spectrum. So I'm, I'm, I'm a very much as a win or lose guy. Anyone who comes, wants to come on to coaching and wants to, I don't know, just get a little bit better in life or anything like that. I just want to be fit. I'm not your guy. I'm 
ruthless with what I want to go and achieve. And it's basically, it's win or lose. I've got to have a performance-based goal all the time. So I'm coming from a little bit of a different angle there. And I think one of the terms we can add on to growth is what's known as perpetual growth. You be the old version of you. And the only way that you can go and do that, first and foremost, is by coming to terms with who you are right now from a performance standpoint. And that can be quite difficult for people. So one of the first fundamental things I do is whenever I take an athlete on, um, and when I utilize the term athlete, by the way, that's not uh, to try and make, I don't just work with athletes. Anybody who I work with, whether that's they just want to get up off the couch for the first time in their life, I consider them an athlete. So if you just want to grow and be the better version of who you used to be, perpetual growth, from this day forward, you're an athlete. I'll go back to the communication. The moment you turn that to someone, they start acting like an athlete. It's a very, very strange continuum. It's very, very impressive the way people can go. But from that, one of the first things we have to do is come to terms with who are you right now? Because whenever I ask any performance-based metrics, everyone always refers back to who they used to be. I could run a marathon at this time before I had a baby, or I used to play football at this level when I was X. And I don't care about that. I want to know who are you right now? And I think the moment you are brutally honest with yourself, that reflective piece, brutal honesty is the term I'm trying to utilize here. That's where we can grow from. We can grow from that honesty. Then the moment you come to terms of who are you right now? Okay, that's okay, because we're going to change that. Then the perpetual growth is something we do later on by testing them. So before any, I write a program for anybody, doesn't matter who they are, whether it's they just want to walk to the shops for the first time, or it's a top five UFC athlete. You're an athlete, we're going to treat you the same way. We test now, we train off the data, and then we retest later on to see if you've grown as an individual from a performance spectrum. Every single person grows, probably because I call them an athlete and I start treating them that way. But most of all, they came to terms straight away with who they are right now. And that can be really, really difficult. And we see it in education. I'm sure Kate's seen it in plenty, plenty of times from an education standpoint that we're often really scared to learn something new and be something new because it often contradicts prior belief. So you see it in the PT world and the coaching world all the time that people get stuck in their ways. And I uh, recently brought on um, a couple of doctors over here. I own the Red On Performance Center. We test elite athletes and bring them in. And I got him to work out how many like scholars are like released every day. And it's like 1100 or something ridiculous. Like how do we keep up with that? Like it's outrageous Like you can't possibly. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like getting it wrong. I've got come out on social media so many times that what I said there was wrong. And I now believe in this because this is where the science has taken us. Science is a culture of doubt until proven otherwise. And we've just got to roll with it. That's us reflecting as a coach. So if we can't do that as a coach, how can I ask my athlete to be, brutally honest with that reflection how can i ask them to grow if i'm not doing it myself and i think that that's 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 the bottom line it's it's being brutally honest and then it's perpetual growth later on to see if you've changed and then you create different pathways depending on what what those results look like yeah absolutely seb any thoughts on this yeah i got lots of thoughts there was so much good stuff here um <clears throat> as far as what mike just was just saying you know one of the things that came to mind was archaeology Here's, here's a blatant example of, of, of a field that's been extremely resistant to change, you know, over over centuries and really reluctant to come come out to say that we may or may not know exactly how the courses of event has unfolded over the course of history and 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 having other hypotheses, you know, pushed out of that and for us to explore other avenues. And it's it just goes to show this is exactly what critical analysis is supposed to be about. And if you're if you can't do that at the very fundamental basis, now you're gonna try filling your narrative with whatever it is that you 
you you think should be in there and 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 this is where we lose you know some very valuable information or miss some valuable information now as far as as far as the blind set the blind spots are concerned one of the things i was considering while kate was talking was if i change my point of view that blind spot no longer is one if i'm driving and i have a blind spot and i move to the back seat that blind spot's no longer a black a blind spot i have other problems because i'm no longer driving but if somebody else is driving now that blind spot is somebody else's blind spot so changing the way we look at ourselves and the way we evaluate even in the, even the way we introspect and so i think that you know everybody has a certain way that they will stand in front of the mirror and confront themselves with respect to who they are as humans but I think that sometimes doing it the same way all the time might also be the problem. So the pro the problem isn't your ability or your willingness to do it, but the the angle by which you view it or the angle that you pick to 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 proceed with it, with it. So it's important to, you know, to change that as well. And how do we do that? Well, we surround ourselves with savages, and 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 there's a certain piece of that that we own. You don't need necessarily anybody to do that as long as self awareness. You can self regulate. But if you if you surround yourself with savages, it makes it easier. Now the question becomes, who do, who who do I you know surround myself with? Well, you surround yourself with people that are that can be different from you in terms of you'll have like the fundamental things, like the value and, and those types of things. But you want people that are that have different ways to look at life as well. Because if you surround yourself with six versions of you, you might as well be alone in your echo cham chamber. And so it's important to have some diversity, but it's important to have people to challenge you in different in different ways. And of course, you know, you're not necessarily going out on the town trying to seek friends that are, you know, filling filling a gap that you're you're missing personally, but it will come organically. And 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 I think that's really important to capitalize on. Another thing that uh, Kate said that was extremely, extremely important is and actually took the words right out of my mouth is the demonstrating the behavior. This is no different than leadership. You know, I can say anything until I'm blue in the face until you have demonstrated the behavior that is preferable. Guess what? Nobody, nobody's following up on that. So it's important. I like the fact that showing a little bit and people call it vulnerability. I don't. I call it being me. I don't feel vulnerable when I tell you, you know, that I think I have a blind spot when I think that I have a shortcoming. And I, I think the goal should be that your sense of self-worth get to a certain point where you never you never worry about what you say or don't say or what people might do with it or whatever. Couldn't care less. I think it's important to have the ability to realize who I am as a human being and 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 to realize that everybody has shortcomings. I'm just willing to say that I'm observing something about myself that might be a, a shortcoming or a, or a blind spot or or a weakness or whatever you want to call it. And so for me, I don't even see it as vulnerability. But think of the power of that. Like we're rolling into the the Christmas, the holiday seasons now, and every every time of the year, every every year at this time, people get some people get very very lonely and some people get very sort of you know depressed and 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 the suicide rates are going up and all of those things and people are you know trying to trying to sort of reach out and make sure that people come to them with whatever issues they might have or if they're not feeling great how about you go out and ask somebody to help you so if that person if if it's somebody that you worry about why don't you ask them to help you with something bounce something off of them so that they see you display that sort of vulnerability where they're where they're able to provide some input and oh they feel value as well so now you've given it you you know that you make them feel valued but also they're capable of looking and saying 
when something goes wrong with me, now I have somebody to bounce stuff off because that person was comfortable enough to come to me. So that makes it okay for me to do it now instead of the, you know, the old, oh, just call if you have a problem. We know people aren't doing it. It's not working. It's, you know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing all over again, expecting a different outcome. And so, um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much, I mean, I could go on, but uh, there's other people on here. Absolutely. Uh, Sean, thoughts on this? Well, to Kate's point, uh, at the dinner, um, the cooking class dinner tonight, uh, there's a guy sitting across from me uh, called Santiago. He's from Argentina. He's traveling through uh, Southeast Asia for several months. And uh, when he heard or he found out through Instagram uh, by looking at my account saying, you know, you're a world champion, how did you even start uh, racing 24-hour solos? And I said, because I was curious. That's how I've run my life. I'm a curious guy. And so, and to her next point, patterns. I mean, I've said it countless times on this show. I've patternized the world. I've always run the world through patterns. I try to establish patterns right away, and then I try to refine those patterns. And to Mike's point, um, I gave away my coaching business of 15 years, high-performance racers all around the world uh, that I coached on wattage through metrics. And I gave away that company because I came over to do this podcasting thing because I was asked to, but I've also got a curious mind. I like tying on a white belt and things and in order to like not be comfortable and try to figure it out. And so, um, and, and I was also ruthless, uh, brutal, pick a word that illustrates the fact that if I was coaching you, it, it, it wasn't easy. And uh, there was no, there was no grace, as it were, uh, I was a really hard coach. And if you weren't meeting your expectations as you delivered to me or my expectations as a coach, we were going to have hard conversations on the regular until you came to a branching point where it was like in or out. And so uh, now to Seb's point, I think it's important that we um, we do listen to people around us. We do uh, remain available to people around us. But um, I, I it's not that I'm over, an overly busy guy and that I can't keep reaching out to people to say, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? But I think that people need to hear it more frequently that I'm available if you reach out to me. And I know that people might not regularly reach out to me, but if I say it regularly enough, maybe it will hammer home the point that I'm all ears. I mean, big British ears, uh, my headphones are hiding them right now. But uh, I think that it's, I, I, I struggle to reach out to all the people that I want to reach out to on the regular. So I'm publicly proclaiming pretty often that reach out to me if you're if you ever want to talk about anything and what that does for me is it allows me to gain from that two-way highway communication where i'm learning more about the people around me it's not just a one-way highway where i'm doing all the favors for everyone around the world it's two-way as i'm trying to help someone i'm helping myself become better at helping more people and so i don't have much figured out but the two-way highway is critical for me so uh, I think that, yeah, we can make ourselves available and yeah, we can reach out, but I'd like to see them both happen in parallel uh, more often. Yeah, the, <clears throat> this brings up a, an interesting thought in my head of um, back in the day when I was in the military, I always, I'd heard this all the time. I have an open door policy from leadership, right? I have an open door policy. Just come and talk to me anytime, but you got to walk past your entire chain of command into the head shed and then go talk to the CEO or the artist. Like, 
the likelihood of that actually happening is extremely low versus I know some of the some of the better leaders that I had were they would come down to the bay to talk to the guys and then say it so they would instead of just making a blanket statement of yeah my my door is always open come talk to me they would actually come down and talk to us directly and then say that their door was always open and if you need to come talk then come talk and so I'm wondering where you guys kind of sit on this because I think open door policies are great if they're utilized well so similar to what you're saying Sean you know like to be able to state hey absolutely come and talk to me anytime send me a message I'll be there to talk to you that that entails a level of mm, uh, understanding at least that the people that are going to be contacting you you need to be able to dive into directly and that that can be a challenge for a lot of people I think we've had this conversation before where you know you have to be ready to sit down for the next two or three hours and talk somebody out of a hole just by putting that out there and that is a that can be a challenge for a lot of people versus um versus not so I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, this idea of an open door policy Mike I'm going to come to you first what are your thoughts on it yeah um, again it sounds great doesn't it whether that comes to fruition every single time I'm not too sure I mean I come from a probably best way to explain is like a middle management background. So the highest rank I got to is like the staff sergeant, color sergeant equivalent. I don't know what you guys have got over there. Um, so it's like a middle managed time. I was in a, I got offered commission back in 2011, but I didn't, I didn't take it. I went up through the ranks as a soldier instead. So I'm almost sat in that middle and I took it upon myself to be the filter, to be the guy that someone could go to before you even have to go to that level. I mean, I was, I was in charge of quite a lot of people at, at some significant times mainly from a physical development standpoint so much as a soldiering but the open door policy is a, is a great word sounds great when you say it makes you make might make you feel good but everyone knows and um, i almost swore but i got told not to um you know it, it doesn't necessarily always work and therefore you are absolutely right where you go to the person and i think that communication piece is key in that but I think the non-verbal communication is, is even more beneficial in that by you getting to know someone. And if something's not right, you can see it a mile off. And and that's by knowing your people. We I used to make it so, so clear that I knew absolutely everybody in my command to an inch of their life. And it'd be a simple thing like I'd know their partner's name. I'd I'd know if they had kids. I'd know if it was their birthdays. And I would I would make it so clear that I knew them in and out. And therefore, I created that relationship whereby coach traffic relationship, I still utilize it now, that they could come to me for absolutely anything. I would always be in and around that environment, away from other ears, away from everyone else in the open door policy to ensure that could happen. But mainly, I have done something wrong if it gets to the point that I haven't seen it in the first place. So I would like to think that I would always try my hardest to be able to pick up on nonverbal cues. And we used to have something where I would utilize it. It wasn't necessarily for that in order to find something out or try and get inside someone's mind and reflect on the piece. We used to call it prayers every single morning. And it'd be me that would take the prayers and we'd go in. I'd say, you know, to the boys and girls, what's going on? What's the plan for this week? How's everyone's weekend been? Where are we going? And that's where I'd be looking around thinking, right, you let's if you want to go let's go for a run and that's where we go and do it like yeah i'm going to take you up that session we need to have a chat i'm gonna and um, we're gonna go for a run i need you to help me with something i'd get them out out in the open out on the sticks best place to go and reflect in anything and it's very very simple same as what happens now in coaching 
the most forgotten notion of coaching and communication. Everyone has all of these crazy um, algorithms and new force plates and stuff, but the best thing you can ever do from a coaching perspective is ask them how they feel. How are you today? Because everything else goes out the window if they're just not feeling great. So a very simple question is, mate, how's it going? And that will open up so many doors and so many avenues that you, you open door policy can, I almost swore again, I am from England, so I'm, I'm trying my hardest here. Um, but yeah, and that, that's the way I, I see it. I used to envision that they shouldn't have to walk through my door. I should pick that up early. Yeah, 100%. Kate, any thoughts on this? Yeah, there's been a lot of a really great commentary on it. Um, and I, I kind of want to reiterate a couple of points. Um, Sean, to your point, you know, we can't be everything to everybody all the time. And there are a lot of people who probably need support and are looking for support. And for us to be the only or tell ourselves that we are the only person um, who can help that person puts an incredible burden on us as the individual. And um, that's, you got to take care of yourself. You may have a family and a job and all these other things and and your own struggles. And you've got to make sure that you prioritize um, taking care of yourself as well. As the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup, but I, so you can't, possibly be available to constantly check in with everybody all the time. That's just, it's impossible. However, one thing that I think is really important about the open open door policy is that if you demonstrate, again, to what Seb said, if you demonstrate by how you live your life, how you communicate with people, that you are, you're a person who understands, is compassionate, has your own flaws, is not perfect, is working on them, and is very open about all of these things, you know, I think we can all reflect on our lives and the people that we know. I think that we can all identify some folks who are like, yeah, that's a person that's very open about all these things. And if I ever had any struggle, that is a person I could absolutely confide in, even even if you don't know them very well, just by how they demonstrate what, you know, how they live their lives, that there are those people out there. So we can choose to be those kinds of people and put the word out that we are um, you know, we have this open door policy and live our lives in a way that demonstrates that we're not perfect and we're working on ourselves constantly. We're open about the things that we've struggled with or overcome. I think that that's really, really valuable. Um, and to, to what Mike said, knowing knowing your people, knowing the folks around you. And if, if you see somebody off and you ask them, hey, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? And it's like, oh, I'm good. I'm OK. Whatever the standard can response is, dig a little deeper, spend some time with that person and just dig a little bit. And um, back to kind of what Seb said as well, offer up something in your own life at the time. If, if you think that they're kind of reluctant to open up and something is really wrong, you could just start talking about what's going on with your life. And maybe there's, you know, they see an opportunity to share more if that's the vibe that's being set for that conversation or for that that day in that conversation. Um and then finally, I'll mention what we're talking about here a lot is, is perspective as well and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, about other people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the strong one. I can't show weakness or that, that person's distracted and busy today. I can't unload this on them. They've got too much going on in their own lives. Um, and, and to that point, pay attention if you're the kind of person that's putting out that message to others of I'm too busy, I'm too distracted, I'm whatever. Those are probably, people are probably not going to come to you if you say you have an open door policy and you're not demonstrating that you're available 
that can can create a problem there um, for for people to to share something with you. But um, the stories that you tell yourself about yourself and others sometimes are not actually truthful. <laughs> you know, I think we all have these lies that we tell ourselves about each other and ourselves and we're really good at that for some reason. And again, you know, those can be blind spots for us, but I think that can also play into how we relate to other people, how we choose to open up or not and who we go to for help or um, why we, why we never go to somebody for help. You hear about this all the time and it's so tragic of, you know, somebody taking their life and people are like, I'm, I'm shocked. Like this person seemed like they were happy. They had it all. They, had a great family and a great career and all these things and no one saw it coming. And it's like, well, they had a lot going on that they weren't sharing. And what were those stories they were telling themselves about who they were and who, how the world saw them and what they could or couldn't demonstrate to others. And maybe their beliefs about other people and that everybody else has their stuff together, but I'm the only one who's messed up and broken or whatever, whatever those stories might be. So pay attention kind of going back to reflect self-reflection, pay attention to those narratives and the 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 voice, the, the tapes that loop in your mind that are coloring how you look at yourself, but how you look at other people. And then that comparative aspect as well. Um, all of that can play into this bigger picture of communication, reaching out and, and this open door policy. Absolutely. Uh, when, when you said can't answer, my first thing that kicked in my head was uh, live in the dream living the dream. That was the can throw my time in. Uh, Seb, you got any thoughts on this? There's so much stuff here. <clears throat> I mean, we could have a, a, you know, a weak conversation on all of these things. There's so many, so many good things. Um, I, I like Mike echo what Mike has said in terms of, of the buzzwords. I, there are definitely buzzwords and used as such, unless they're not. And, and I think from a leadership standpoint, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that people know what they, what they ought to say so that, there's a, a feeling of authenticity that there's a feeling of familiarity that the guys would be comfortable with this, but, um, but establishing that baseline on, on your people and having and using your emotional intelligence. And, and if you don't have that, maybe we should start looking at, you know, worrying less about degrees and worrying more about testing for that and see, and see how that's going to help, you know, our troops and, and, and our people do better work. But I think establishing that baseline, and establishing the relationship and the rapport, uh, the rapport, as Mike was uh, was alluded alluding to, uh, also establishes a baseline on you. You know, so one day there there will be something, and and it's a great time when you're having a conversation with somebody about what's going on in their lives or whatever to share something with them as well, so that they feel there's a reciprocity here. It's not a one way street. You know, and so if you ever get off mark, and your own baseline is is now affected, you know, other people will have uh, sort of the the you know the the courage so to speak to, to to come to you and to say are you okay you know you're there there seems to be something that's that's a little bit off and maybe you haven't noticed or maybe you know whatever the case may be at least you'll have that sort of reciprocal sort of relationship as far as um as far as uh, the second piece to this is everybody has an open door policy until you come to say something they don't want to hear and so having an open door comes with having an open mind when people are coming inside your office to have that conversation or to tell you that things could have been done better or whatever the case may be, you need to resist the urge of, of just having an emotional response to this and, and, and sort of trying to justify or doing all those things and maybe maybe soak it in for a little bit before you, you're having that conversation. And we discussed this before on the show, but that's a critical piece. When my guys came to me 
and they and they came in the office and they they told me things that necessarily I wasn't either ready or or uh, you know didn't want to hear or was the complete opposite of how I felt I had done in a certain context. It hurts. There's, there's nothing easy about it, but I wouldn't have changed a thing. I wanted them to do that all the time. And when they did, you know, my, my answer was generally the same. Let me, let me, let me sort of soak, soak it in for the night or for the next couple hours and I'll get back to you. What it wasn't about necessarily me soaking that much deeper into what they said. It was about me regulating myself in relation to what my response was going to be because your response to what you're being told is what set the tone to whether or not that door is truly perceived as open in the future. And so it was critically important for me to have the ability to do that. Um, there's also another thing that comes into play with this, which is setting up sort of the, how are you acting? How are you acting? So I can say a whole bunch of things, but if Kate comes to me and we're having a conversation and somewhere down the line, she's off and, and, and she's not around and I'm, starting to unload, you know, a, a few things or, or, oh yeah, you know, it, then I've just established myself as somebody that cannot be trusted. You know, as they say, if somebody is talking to you about everybody else, guess what they're doing when you're not around. And so that's another key piece of this is, is that it has to be a safe space. And I call it a mobile safe space. You know, you have, you have to become that for your people for your people. And that's, and that's a, a piece that can be very difficult to do once you start entering the world, the, the world of black humor and, and cynicism and, and, and nihilism sometimes, even at times when you, when we look at the military and the and police, you know, and having, having uh, the ability to refrain from doing that is a key piece, not only as a leader, but as a team member as well. And it really opens up the door to people having sort of that, the, the comfort to come to you and, do the things that you have to do but it also establishes you as a humble leader that has the ability to for introspection that has the ability for discretion that has the ability to 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 be the person that you need to be in order to lead you the people uh towards a you know a successful outcome so to speak so that's kind of what my thoughts top yeah. took me absolutely sean thoughts on this is he with us he might be frozen he's just sitting there breathing <laughs> there we go <laughs> because my connection is pretty janky over here right now okay. okay sorry about that i got a janky connection i'll keep it brief so um i think that um you you'd said someone contacts you and they're talking for two to three hours that ain't gonna happen i'll give you 10 minutes you've got 10 minutes you've got 10 minutes to tell me you're doing right now and where you want to go because i don't want to hear about the last 40 years of your life i don't want to hear how many diapers you wore when you were a kid it doesn't matter to me it's in it's unimportant so we're going to talk about where you're at right now and what the immediate steps are in the future and you've got 10 minutes because if we do it in 10 minutes then you need to do some growth before you contact me you need to figure out what we're going to talk about to move you ahead so 10 minutes that's it, that's all. And to get back to the growth, that is critical to the conversation. It shouldn't be 10 minutes of whining. It should be 10 minutes of, this is where I'm at right now. And then maybe the last three minutes are, how are we gonna get you moving ahead? What is the next step? So growth is what I'm focused on, rather than the past, as uh, Coach Mike had said earlier. Yeah, <clears throat> no, that's 100% accurate. It, um... I wrote down here the line between openness and whining. <laughs> I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because 
there is a distinct line. And if you contact somebody or if I want to go say, I, I go see Seb and I'm like, hey man, I'm, I'm going through a rough spot. There's me trying to be open and vulnerable and show off, you know, show Seb who I am at my core. But there is a point where I'm just whining. And I'm wondering where your guys is, what, what your guys' thoughts are on this and where that is. And Seb, I'm going to start with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends who you're talking to. You know, if you're in a romantic relationship and you get into you get into problem solving mode immediately as somebody is trying to share something in the way the way that something is made making them feel and all this good stuff. And the first thing you do is to get into problems so and I'm gonna fix this and how can we fix this? And I'm action oriented and what are the steps you're taking? And you know, you could do X, Y, and Z. And maybe that's not the that's not the time right now. Maybe that's not the time. And I think what this speaks to is your ability to 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 sort of value how the person feels and and we acknowledge that and we and we let them do the thing so that we may at some point and so at the end of the conversation or 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 you know when the conversation has gone long enough and you and you feel that you've reached that point you you clearly establish that you're valuing what the person is telling you and that and and you're not trying to invalidate it or go straight to problem solving and then eventually you're gonna you're gonna have to to do so what do we do about this what do you intend to do or what are some of the the key things that you're considering doing in relation to this instead of you should you know you should be doing x y and z and so and no and so but also if it's an if it's a you know in an operational context I, i'm a little bit more ruthless if it's in an operational context and and you come to me with a problem the, it's generally preferable to bring a solution along with it ideally multiple solutions that we can look at and we can kind of you know bounce off each other and 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 we can we can we can see what we think the best course of action might be or maybe you just come to bounce it off me and you will come up with exactly what the best course of action is as you are speaking you're going to develop your you know your thoughts in relation to what you're coming to tell me but if you're coming in if you're coming in the office or if you're coming to me and you know uh bitching about this thing that thing and the other thing like that conversation will be will be quickly redirected because it's important from an operational readiness standpoint that we have problems fixed before things happen and the longer you talk and do things and and consider and any problem that comes down the door right now will be addressed through the lens of something that's incomplete and so for me it's you know kind of like if we, if we're a bunch of cops and we're going for or a bunch of military guys but cops is more applicable in this context and we're going for dinner and we all wait for the last person to get there nobody none of us will eat because we're going to get called out and nobody will have eaten whereas the first person that gets there starts eating the second person goes and and you know and this is a bit of a different myth metaphorical um you know sort of application of this maybe for microdosing there or some but uh but i'm just you know absolutely believing that that's that's a critical a critical piece of that so if you're coming to me you're with your with some problems or some things or some issues have some semblance of a framework around some solutions and we can we can sort of take it from there but aside from that it it it, it will be relegated to the old this is not constructive and it, it is whining yeah absolutely mike thoughts on this Yeah, I'm I'm in the same camp as Seb there. I think I come from a background where most people and the, the the world that I live in, most of the demographic I've worked with, predominantly from an operational standpoint, have come to me with something, but also with a solution. So I think I've been quite lucky in that in that sense, in that context. But on the on the flip side, there has been times as well where 
context is always key and it's very easy to strip the emotion out of something when you're not on the other end of that desk and and, it, and that can come, become very very difficult so i think it's understanding context and giving people the time and space to go and go and tell them what they've got to do but i'm the type of guy that strips all the emotion out get down to the pain points how we're going to make a solution and and that's easier said than done my, my wife thinks i haven't got a you know <laughs> My wife thinks I've got a black heart and I've got no emotion in my body, but that's just the, that's just the way that's just the way I live. It's like you know, strip the emotion down. Where's the pain points? Like let's make let's make a decision on how we're going to move forward from here. And that's the way I've lived my life throughout absolutely everything. But um, context is really key in that, and there are some there are some very left and right winged um, circumstances that come in that you you can't really account for that type of stuff for, and you've just got to basically strip it all back and let them have that emotional little little time together but context is key yeah absolutely kate oh, sorry Seb, you got something just one point just because mike was uh, made such a, a great point one of the things i always do when i teach leadership courses i always ask people when do you make the best decisions when you're angry or when you're super happy and it, they see it coming from a mile around right none of those things so i think it's one of the one of the misconceptions with stoicism, and I'm not talking about stoicism, the system, I'm talking about like just simply, simply have, you know, not letting the emotions take over and run the show is that the emotions are automatically invalidated. And that's not the case. The emotions are a knowledge, they're validated, and then they're put aside for, you know, to bring back the prefrontal cortex online and like how are we going to sort of fix that, right? Like, so for me, it's that's been a, a key piece a knowledge, move on. I like that's it. all. Okay thoughts on this? Um, so I probably bring a little bit of a different perspective on it. Um, the, I guess I'll start with um, context is key in that, it, you know, if, if this is a person who, again, it's a pattern for them, and they are the kind of person that whines and complains all the time, I think it's very appropriate to shut it down and to point it out and, and just say, that's not what we're, that's not what we're doing here. Um, but if this is a person who's never complained and they never open up and they never share and maybe they're doing a, what sounds like a little bit of whining, but they've never really opened up to you or anyone about anything, sometimes I feel like that's okay to let them have that space, again, as long as it's not completely counterproductive. But but knowing this, knowing the person and is this a habit of this person to, to act this way or is this totally novel and maybe they need this space to do it. I, I think the other thing, again, I encounter this all the time with the folks that I coach in law enforcement, fire, military, active duty, the veteran population, everyone's a little different. And there are people that absolutely need some tough love and you need to tell them straight up and maybe be a little direct and, and harsh about how you approach them. And they respond really well to that. As a coach, it's my job to know who these, you know, the kind of people that these people are and how they respond. There are other people who do need a little bit of a more compassionate approach, and maybe they need a um, sort of a redirect in a gentle kind of nudging way as they're whining or maybe complaining to kind of get, help them see it differently and change the way that they are talking about something, but not shut them down completely. Because there are people who um, we're all different and we respond differently. And maybe within a military context, uh, that this doesn't apply quite as much and the more direct kind of harsh approaches is, is more appropriate. But generally people are a lot, you know, everyone's a little different. So I think knowing the kind of approach 
to take when somebody is complaining, if it is, if it's the, the open door policy turns into like a wine fest, um, definitely, uh, definitely maybe change um, your tactics depending on the, the person. Um, so that would be kind of the, I guess the big, the big thing I would share. And I had some other point that I wanted to make and I've, my brain is, it's early. I'll unmute myself if I think of it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Sean, you got any uh, thoughts on this while you're, connection working do so um when people were asking me to be helpful i was getting overwhelmed by people who wanted my help and it was because they thought i was a coach because they thought i was a therapist because they thought it was things that i'm not and so i was getting overwhelmed by the amount of volume that i had to deal with and so i literally envisioned the collective in a way to scale this thing up so that I didn't have to do this kind of heavy lifting. And so Dr. Kate Pate, you so beautifully put across what I was trying to solve that I couldn't solve myself. And so you're right on the money what you just stated. I can't do it all. None of us can do it all. There are people who can do it for everyone, but it's not one person. It takes a team to create these kind of solutions. It it takes people like this panel to put across the opinions in a broad enough way that the demographic can hear this stuff and, and, and understand that there isn't a one-shop stop. There are many people who can be helpful, but not just me. All of this panel can be extremely helpful in a number of different vectors, but it's for you, the listener, to sit down and think about and hear precisely what each person is saying and realize that I need to talk to her. I need to talk to him. I need to think about this. I need to sit down and write down some ideas and then consider maybe contacting three people 10 minutes at a time, collate and distill it down, and figure out what is my trajectory next. I didn't have the time then, and maybe I've got more time now, but the time that I've made up for scaling this up is being driven into scaling this up more. And so there are solutions out there, as Dr. Kate Pate just said so well. So please, if you listen to anything in this podcast, repeat that about 10 times on a cycle and listen to what Kate just said. It is so important. Yeah, I could not agree more. Now, the uh, I, I, I have one last thing that I kind of want to touch on in here in terms of, you know, reflection and growth is... <sighs> When we're dealing with groups, when we're dealing with, um, you know, the veteran population or policing or whatever, you know, there's these kind of sects that are created in, it almost creates a, well, it does, it creates an identity. And to your point, Mike, when you, when you first started, you were talking about the fact that a lot of people would like to talk about, this is what I used to be. I used to be able to do that, or I used to be able to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I was one of them. Sean tuned me up a couple of times live on the show, and it's been, uh, it was quite interesting to say the least. But the, I want to get you guys each, each th I want to get each of your thoughts on how do we get through to the people that are stuck in that identity, that haven't done the self-reflection, they haven't done any of the growth. What is the... I don't know, the silver bullet that we can get people to actually stop and take the baseline in and of themselves. So that's, I'm going to start with Kate. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I see this a lot with the folks that I work with, uh, especially people who have transitioned to a different part of life where they used to be in the military or they, they were a cop or they were a firefighter and they're not anymore. And they're trying to figure out identity, purpose, provide meaning to their lives. And they're constantly looking in the rearview mirror. And there's all these sayings about, you know, there's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. You're supposed to be looking forward and, you know, look where you want to go. If you're looking in the, you know, in the past, you're going to go back there and all of that. But the, I think the thing to remember here with people who are stuck, whether, you know, you find yourself being stuck or somebody in your life, you, you feel like they're being, they're stuck in some other place other than today, the current, the present, um, which is where we should all strive to be. Um, I think one of the things to work on with them, I don't know that I'd call it a silver bullet, but it's probably the most effective tool I've ever seen in action is what I was kind of trying to talk about a little bit before with storytelling. When you look back on the things that you did and who you were, you, you have a narrative about your life. And we look back sometimes as that was the best it's ever going to be, or those were the glory days, or I was a champion at this one thing and, you know, years ago. And we forget that we have the ability not only to change the way we look at the past, so not necessarily rewrite the facts of what happened, but sort of um, rewrite how we view it and use that. So leverage that for material for where you are today and where you want to go in the future and create this narrative like what's the story if you were gonna if somebody was gonna write your life story from start to finish wouldn't you want it to be this epic this this hero journey this incredible thing and you we all have the the ability to do that and it's it's realizing that you can um tell the story in the future about things that you know happened in your past that are going to get you to a place of greatness whatever that looks like and and no it's you know you can't you're never going to find especially with the, the military and sometimes law enforcement and fire like you're not going to find the same types of experiences that those provide those are such unique professions and the things that people get from those experiences are incredible and unparalleled and you're not always going to find that or be able to recreate that in other ways in life to that degree but you can there's good to look forward to there are incredible challenges ahead of you there's more to this this epic and this hero journey that you can continue to move into and again bringing curiosity and excitement about where you are today and where you can continue to go looking at storytelling and narrative as a powerful tool for moving you in the direction that you want to go in your life i think is a, is really helpful for getting people unstuck sometimes it takes a lot of effort and it definitely takes some sometimes it takes you know somebody working with you to to get you there but i i encourage people to try that it could you could start with journaling and, and maybe or even like oral narrative and just sharing your story with other people and all of that can be really powerful so it's sort of an alternative approach to getting unstuck um rather than a, a really direct blunt you know kick in the rear end but it's something that i think can be useful that often isn't utilized enough so that would be my two cents on on that question absolutely mike thoughts on this 
Um, I, I I agree again. I think that was very very powerful. Uh, once again, I think just to to add a little bit more to that is one of the opening chapters that I've utilised in my book is the is why that every step of the way is whenever someone applies for coaching with us uh, with the Red on team, it doesn't matter what it is. My immediate question after that is why. Why do you want to go and do that? And most of it is, I want to go and achieve this. I want to go on special force selection, wherever that is around the world. And it's, why? Why bother? Why would you go and put yourself through that? And it's, once someone really nails that down, and, and you know, there's beauty and reflection about what happened in the past. I, I sit down with my, my mates and talk about it all the time, about what we used to do when we was in and how we did it and some of the crazy stuff we've done. It is, it's so good to sit down and talk and keep that that, that open communication going. But in regards to moving forward, having a strong enough why is so, so powerful. Now, you have to apply effort to that, and you have to then go, and from a coaching perspective, there's got to be effort prescription involved in that. But a tri-phase approach with effort prescription and why, you'll be unbeatable. And if you can if you can drive performance through an inch of its life through applying the utmost effort to the most accurate prescription, and your why is stronger than everyone else, you'll win every single time. And I... In the opening chapter of my book, I talk about this and I provide the I provide the context and the experience of when I went through parachute regiment training. It's notorious over here in Britain about how hard it is and how tough it is. And, and the reason why I was one of the nine out of 65 that made it was because my why was stronger than everyone else's. It was hideous. It hurt every single day. But no one could beat my why. Um, and and therefore, that's why I survived. And, and I, I, I stand by this every single day. Is that physically, I was probably less than everyone else experience i was less than everyone else but i got through because if i didn't win then certain things didn't happen back home and nobody is going to beat me in that nobody and it doesn't matter how tough it got i was staying there every single day and i watched grown men fall apart and cry and ring the bell every day and yet and all i'm there 17 year old thinks the world owes him something stood there to fight another day and that's because my why was stronger than everyone else's if you have a strong enough why, you can go and achieve anything. And that's why the opening line, it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, I don't care how many gold medals you've won, when you come to us with the next aim, we 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 demand a why. And it's better be strong because otherwise we just don't accept it. And that's I think, is really, really fundamental. And I've got people who come on and say, I just want to change my life. I want to be able to have fun with my kids for the rest of life and I'm struggling to run through the park. That's my why. And I'm like, I'm in. I'm your man. It could be absolutely anything. When we took a guy who just won the world championship, you know, UFC heavyweight champion of the world now. And his, his why was just to get in the top 10 in the UFC. It's to say, I see that exactly the same person as the guy who wants to chase his kids around the park. As long as their why is strong enough, I'll do, I will run through walls for you to ensure that we go and see that through. As long as that why is there and I feel attached to that. Absolutely. So, thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll try to sort of keep it somewhat brief, but um, lots of stuff here. I mean, I, the, the concept of identity, especially in the military police and some of those other jobs that that perhaps are bringing, uh, you know, uh, very strong on the reward system. And we, we start tying up some very, very strong emotions here, especially if we talk about combat veterans or people that were involved in very intense situation where what it does is it etch, etches all those memories in stone. And it's going to be really difficult from an intensity standpoint and a velocity standpoint to match that as life goes on. And that's just the reality. Like you've, so when I work with my clients, I always tell them that establishing that what they have done was extremely abnormal. 
But here's the good news. It's not gone away from you. It is you. Like there is, what is that separation that you speak of? You know, I, I used to be X, Y, and Z, and I used to be, what? You did that. That was a part of who you are. And, and, and without that, you wouldn't be the person you are today. So if you were very, very good at controlling chaos, guess what? That's never left you. Like you're very good at controlling chaos. So now we're going to bring you into a business endeavor and, 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 and you're going to have to do the same in a different context. So I think there is a sort of a, a misconception that, you know, w- what you once were, you'll never have the ability to, to, to be again. And, and no, it's just a ch- it's simply a changing context. All the skills and ability, the skills, knowledge and abilities that you've acquired over the years and all the, the experience that you can draw upon is is just invaluable for what's coming next for you. And so, you know, that's kind of where I start. Now, there's another piece where, you know, from a from a fundamental standpoint where we need to be doing that and teaching those types of things before people get in the service and etching those really, really strong emotional memories within their own context so that they have that preemptively. When you're reactive to something, you're always a little bit less effective. It's it's actually better to do it, you know, uh, sort of uh, preemptively. And uh, yeah, uh, there was one more thing I had. You know, uh, uh, men of honor used to used to say, uh, you know, it's not the um, it's not the uh, the rank that make that make you a man of honor. And that's a reiteration that I also consistently bring back. Are you guys here? Yeah, we're still here. Yeah, I'm I not think, sure what's uh, going on here. It's all good. We'll uh, we'll, move, we'll move on. What, Sean, where's the music any... coming from? I have Parallel no idea. universe, bro. Parallel yeah. universe. <laughs> <laughs> Seb, that was that powerful. People are replying back in music to it. <laughs> in the yeah. moment, right now, this it's is where it's happening. The angels. <laughs> well, uh, Sean, I'll, what do you got? I'll keep it super brief. Mate, you was floating. So when I one of the he still is uh when i first met seb and i'm going to paraphrase this real quick we were thinking about writing a book and uh, we still might who knows but uh early on in it i said you know writing books are hard man and he said yeah and i said i've written a couple and he said what you've written books i said yeah uh when i was a computer system engineer what and so you used to be a nerd yeah and so um i think that uh you can do anything you want to mike's point but your why has got to be strong enough. And writing books ain't easy. Jumping, jumping over hurdles ain't easy. There's lots of things that ain't easy. Nothing will ever get done unless your why is strong enough. And uh, to build off of that, uh, why do we do things? Not to impress anyone else. I don't pull out my book and flash it to everyone every single day because uh, it's kind of boring to me. It's sort of, it's my nerd past and, and uh, I don't, I don't think highly of it. It's just a thing in my life that was back in the day. Uh, but the why was strong enough at that point to write it. And I think that we're supposed to use these moments to illustrate that you can freaking do anything you want, anything. But your why has got to be strong enough to execute and create an outcome that you can then occasionally, maybe once every two years, hold up a book and say, yeah, I used to be a nerd. <laughs> that is that is probably the best line I've heard from you throughout this whole thing. <laughs> you can hold up and say, yep, I used to be a nerd. That's fantastic. Um, so we are a little bit over time right now, but uh, let's get some final thoughts on anything that we've gone over so far today. And uh, before we do that, I just want to say thank you guys. Mike, Kate, Seb, John, 
fantastic conversation. This has been really awesome. And this is just opening up an entire week long discussion on this. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, Mike, let's start with you. Any final thoughts? Anything at all still burning in the back of your brain? No, I just want to thank you. I've came on and learned an awful lot as well. Um, I, I believe I was brought on here to impart knowledge and I've gone away with so much more than what I've given. So I'm really, really pleased for that. So thank you. It's our pleasure. Good to have you on here. Finally, we've Mike and I have been trying to get this to, to work for the last little while, so it's I'm super stoked to have you on here. It's been fantastic. Seb, any final thoughts? Yeah, it was awesome to have you guys. I, I, I too, learned a, a great deal and grew a great deal through this conversation, and it will continue long after this. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Kate, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, just thank you for having me on. And I really appreciated everybody's uh, perspective and, and shares. And I also learned a ton and, and really respect what everybody is putting out into the world and anyone listening, like, these are some really smart minds and good humans. And um, yeah, I just encourage you to continue to listen and, and maybe re-listen to what people uh, have said here today, because I think sometimes it hits a little different when you're in a slightly different place and maybe listening to this conversation again in a couple of days or a couple of weeks could be really valuable, but um, thanks. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. No problem. Sean, any final thoughts? Well, thank goodness we've got a whole week ahead of us. Cause I was just thinking, Oh my goodness, these topics are freaking massive and we're only going to do one day on it. So yay team. And to that point, <laughs> I could talk to this panel for an entire week. Like, every single day i don't know who what the guests are coming up but i'm not saying kibosh them and keep these guests every single day for the rest of the week but that's what i would love to do right now if i'm being honest so um as always uh i always try to learn more than uh, i'm putting out so i gain more from the guests than they gain from me which is the way i like it and uh, to uh kate's point uh, it is now coming up on, uh, you know, it's past uh, 22, 30 hours here in Malaysia. And as soon as this is finished, as I do every single freaking time we do a podcast. So it's, it's, it's crazy, but I will re-listen to this again immediately after it's finished so that I can gain even more wisdom from the guests. So yes, I encourage everyone to re-listen to this just as I do every single night uh, because uh, there's enough gems in here as there always are that uh, it's worth re-listening to so thanks to the guests for bringing the heat yeah this has uh been a great fantastic episode i am i have one of the good problems this is the nice part about uh being the the editor and all uh, the producer and all this stuff is that i have so many timestamps of like wisdom and knowledge to do clips for now i don't know how i'm gonna pick between them because i just like i, I got a ton of time <laughs> I, can't, I can't repost the entire thing uh onto instagram i'd like to but yeah really do appreciate the the conversation this has been awesome and i will don't have a ton to add so i will say learn what your baseline is build upon it and grow every day and you do that with us here on the collective we'll see you all tomorrow chimo chimo <laughs>